We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what rich culture is about. About, about, about. You are tuned into Brunch Culture. My name is Randall Keith, and as always, I'm joined by my incredible co-host, Ms. Lisa Victoria. What's up, y'all? All right, so we always start our Brunch Culture off with our weekend review, and this week we want to dive into the VMAs. The VMAs happened... Uh, this past Sunday, um, and it was actually a pretty big show. Um, I, we had a lot of a lot of artists come out and perform. I think it was the performances were a little different from like back in the day, day, but they were actually pretty good. I think a lot of the collaborations were pretty good, and you know we had some pretty some some, some showstoppers and some people still the show. What you thought about it, Lisa? Oh uh, yeah, I think the the showstopper for me was uh, Blue Ivy. I mean, yeah. She filled my heart with her little mommy thing and um, just, you know, her singing along for Flawless and, you know, bobbing her head. I think it was so cute. Um, so for me, Blue Ivy stole the show. I wasn't too big on the performances. I know Nicki Minaj had a wardrobe malfunction. Um, yeah, doing the bang bang. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I... The, to me, the quality of award shows has just gone, has plummeted to me. You know, so, I think, yeah, I think back in the day, you know, and when I say back in the day, I mean like early 2000s, 90s, I think. I don't know, I think maybe because we didn't see the artists as often and we we didn't see them on throughout the internet all the time or on social media all the time, so when you saw them at an award show, what you saw of them then, you were really surprised. And we, you know, I think the the artists really gave you a huge show and they really prepared for it. Now I think we can see an artist perform in their bathroom and people sing and all this other good stuff. So I think now, you know, that wow factor of award show is kind of diminished. It's not there anymore. Uh, but overall, I think the show was, I, just, I think it was pretty good. I think one of the things that stuck out really the most to me, and it was kind of like a tearjerker moment, um, for a lot of people was the uh, Miley Cyrus was she when she got got called up for the award uh, she didn't come up to the stage she actually sat on the side of the stage and she had this guy come up and he basically he was a homeless guy a homeless kid homeless young kid I, I want to say he said he was like 19 or something and he basically talked about statistics of homelessness in the area and started talking about things that people can actually do to get involved, to aid, and to change that, which I thought was really, really great. We look at Miley Cyrus, and we see, we just know now that she is the queen of twerking. She kind of has this whole twerking, and like I'm, I like hip hop music and 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 you know raunchiness and stuff like that. But for her to make that type of uh, uh, gesture and allow that to happen, I thought it was really, really good. I also thought, you know, of course, Beyonce's performance was done really well. A lot of people start saying they wanted her to go through her career of music and, and all, do all of her, like, number one hits, which would be a long show. But I thought, you know, for her to be able to perform all of the, the song, 
all of most of the cuts from her album and say, hey, you guys are not only dancing and vibing to this, you know the lyrics, you know this album. I've been out for years, and I'm still relevant that I can produce a full body of work, and you can get into it like that. I thought it was really good. And, you know, I mean, it's Beyonce. You expect her to have a good performance. So I thought it went really well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, not only did the VMAs happen this week, Apple made an announcement. Mm -hmm. Because you kind of were there on with your projections um, that you shared with us on Brunch Culture a few weeks back. So, I know you Exactly. Yes, I was super excited. It's so funny. I posted my Facebook account that literally was really crazy. That morning, I woke up, and the first thought on my mind was, Lord, when, when's Apple going to make this announcement? Because I know it's coming. Like, I know it's coming. And then, you know, a lot of people are like, dang, you praying to God? I'm just, you know, what, what is this? Jesus is my homeboy. I have conversations. Um, but, no, I literally thought that that morning. And while I was at work, um, I was actually uh, driving, and I popped up in Gadget, and I saw it, and I was like, it's happening, it's happening, this is it, I was right. So, I mean, normally I usually am right when it comes to Apple stuff, but I was pretty excited. So, yeah, it's happening. Check it out, September 9th, um, Apple will be announcing something. We technically don't know what it is, but, of course, we all know just from their pattern that it's going to be a new iPhone and possibly a wearable. So, check it out. Stay tuned. Yeah, and I'm excited about it because I'm my iPhone five is on its last leg, so I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of blasphemous. It's it's still hanging on. You can't tell that to the public. It's, <laughs> it's great. It's a great device. Go out and buy it. <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, but it's competition. <laughs> so I, I'm excited about transitioning. But that's been our weekend review. Uh, today's main topic. I'm really excited about it. Uh, because uh, most of us do this. We judge people. We judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of have these perceptions of people, and we let the perceptions from distance, from a distance shape who we think they are. And I think this, this is created by society just through social media, through watching celebrities on TV. You know, we think we know celebrities. Just because of TMZ and different things, well, in actuality, we don't know them. We know what they show us, but we don't right. know And we we think we know people for on our social media pages just by their posts. But people post what they want you to see. People always right. post. And you can't judge a game. I always like to say this. Like, any game, or if you are ESPN, you're going to see the highlights of the game. Only the highlights. But there's right. key minutes of the game, and you have to um, kind of go through all of the game to get the full scope of what the game was about. They only show the highlights on ESPN. So that's kind of how we view life. We view life on social media through people's highlights and the exactly. film that's out, but really in reality it's a whole – another spectrum that you're missing. Yeah, I, and it's, it's really the crazy thing about doing that, and I'm actually really glad that we're talking about this, because I think it's something that as, as young professionals, we have to be mindful of in expanding our network and growing as people and learning more and being open to more. You have to understand that as people, we are complex. Um, we're, very, we're very complex. There are a lot of different layers to 
every person, every individual person. And although you may see one one part aspect of a person, even if it's not on social media, let's say you just you're just introduced to someone and they show you what they're comfortable with showing you. They give you what they're comfortable with giving you. But undeniably, this, there's more to that person. There are more layers and things that you have to get to know or that you should get to know before you pass judgment on it. One of the main things that judging a book by cover in our time, in our society, and I know I've been um, a person that has done it, is it limits your ability to grow. It limits your ability to make connections and to do things. I think about you know our story in general. We talked about this before, uh, but just for people that don't know, the idea of brunch culture came from the both of us brainstorming, but we both had an idea for a podcast of our own. Lisa was hundreds of miles away from me, and we we know each other. We hung out uh, when you when when we've been in the same the same city or whatnot, and we know each other, of course, from like school days. But at this time, all we had to go off literally was our social media. So when the idea came, when it was presented to me, I was kind of like, uh, I don't really know. You want me to do a podcast with her? Like, I think she's a great person, but I think. Honestly, she's extremely conservative, and I feel like the show would just kind of be a bashing session of uh, more liberal people and me trying to take up for people that are liberal and just trying to explain things. I was like, this this would never work. And even when we agreed to do it, I was a little leery of it, but it wasn't until we sat down and had that initial uh, brainstorming conversation about what things that we like and what things we want to bring to the table I didn't. I got a better understanding for who you were, and it became no. She's not. She is conservative, but she has a heart. She has a. She has understanding, and she does have a backbone and a foundation for why she believes what she believes. And I think, for me, when, when we talked about you know this being our main topic today, that was the first thing that just hit my mind was, man, I remember how blown away I was after that first conversation at Starbucks. And I was like, oh, man, I think this show is going to be great. I think this is going to be awesome. Because beforehand, I was like, well, Lord, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work. But, you know, you gave me an idea. You gave her an idea. Hopefully, we don't kill each other. <laughs> why, why did you think I was so conservative, though? What, what? You, um, social media, uh basically our our main mode of my main motive of interacting with you besides when we were in the same city or we would there would be like a group gathering was through social media. Um and then from then, you know, the associations that I know that you had, it just became like, Oh, okay, well, she's just extremely conservative. So she has to be that that way. And you start the group and it's crazy too because in joint and judging a book by its cover, if you will, you start to associate all of the other things that these people are linked to and tied to. So I know your political affiliation. So my, my immediate thought is she thinks like every other person in this political party that I have encountered. And, and that's a, a, that conversation blew that, that idea up and it wasn't true. But I think it's, you know, one of those things is kind of natural, but that's really what, where it came from. We start to kind of make these, uh, subconscious connections and start to bring all these things together and basically create this person that really isn't true. And it's and if some of it's true, it's just a portion of the person. Yeah, I think we have these caricatures because I mean, 
I I knew you were um, from social media. I knew you were Kappa, and you know I already have my preconceived thoughts on Kappa. I love Kappa. I have my granddad, my uncles are Kappa, so you know I I know how it works. So I love Kappas, but you know there's kind of this label you put on Kappa men as far as pretty boys. You know the whole, the whole get up and then the, the stereotypes. The stereotypes. We are not the stereotypes. We're just a part of it, but these are an accountant. I was like, well, you know, Kappa accountant. You know, trying to make money, social scene. <laughs> and know that you were a social, um, socially con- as socially conscious as you are. Um, right. They, social media. So I kind of just had this caricature in my head about who you were. And when we sat down and we talked, we got to know, oh, we have a lot of things in common. We, our backgrounds are different, but we, that doesn't mean we think extremely different. We actually right. have a lot of similarities and a lot of things we want to see accomplished in the world that are, are very similar, but we wouldn't have known that had we not kind of just had that conversation and had a conversation that wasn't a shallow conversation. Exactly, exactly. I think that's, and <laughs> you saying that about having a shallow conversation, oftentimes that's the stopping point of a lot of connections, a lot of interactions with people, and that's why we are able to continue to judge this book by its cover because we haven't dug a little deeper to find out more. I think about, as I mentioned earlier, it hinders us judging a book by its cover. It hinders you from diving into more or getting in further. I think about it. Had we not had that conversation, brunch culture would not be here. The the amount of, you know, success that we've had and having over 1,500 listeners and, you know, having being at, producing our 12th show and getting all of this good feedback and, you know, good constructive criticism developing as individuals, learning how to speak better, how to articulate better, all of these positive and great things that are happening as a result of us two joining together to do this project had either one of us said, well, you know, uh, that probably wouldn't work out. Oh, I kind of think this person is this way. We would have missed that, you know, and I think that it's something that we can learn from each other. I I say this, um, I've told a few people this, but one of the things that I definitely learned from you, because I am, myself is, I'm a planner, so I want to plan out everything, and I'm a perfectionist, I want everything to be perfect, and sometimes that's great, but sometimes it's terrible because it causes, you take up a whole bunch of time and you don't just take action. And one thing I learned from you was, oh, we want to do it? Bam, let's make it happen. We want to create some advertisement? Let's make it happen. We want to produce our show? Let's record it. Let's just, you know, dive into it and critique ourselves as we go through it. And so I'm like, man, I really learned that from just, I prop, I want to say even like our, our first three interactions um, when we started working on brunch culture, just the way your mind was kind of like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's just hit it. Let's hit the ground running. And in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute, but we got to talk about it more. We got to plan. We got to spend five hours and just practice, 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 practice to make it happen. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed, but at some point in time, I'm sure you thought it was like, all right, this boy want to hold a rehearsal show and rehearse for the rehearsal and practice for the practice. Let's just do it and make it happen. Like, but I definitely learned that. So I keep thinking, like, had I not 
had, had either one of us not allowed ourselves to open up a little more, to dig a little bit more into the other person, and then to see the positivity that could possibly come out of this, we wouldn't have what we have here. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have learned from you to think out of the box and think from a different vantage point than the my perspective. You know, because you, you have a different spin on things. And so I am very conservative. So you bring a different spin, uh, on, especially on political issues. I think the first uh, conversation that I think that stuck out and will forever be a quote in my mind was when you were talking about the political differences. And I, I will say this on air uh, because I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I am a registered Republican. However, I'm an independent at heart. So I vote for whichever. I'm not stuck to a party. I vote kind of wherever, you know, I feel strongly about whatever, whatever candidate I feel strongly about. So I may vote for a Democrat. I may vote for a Republican. It just kind of when I research the issues, what's important to me. But I'll never forget the first conversation I had with Randall, and he said that they're telling us to pull ourselves from our bootstraps when we don't even have boots. And I thought that was a very profound thought because without the same resources, you'll never be able to do the same thing. And so, you know, that kind of thought just stuck with me. And I think that that's the benefit of getting to know people because people think differently, people have different experiences, and you rob yourself from a full life and a full scope if you don't converse with people who think differently than you. Exactly. That's the, and that is the truth in itself. I think that's how we really are able to hone in and, and to learn different things. So, you know, your, your background is in, is in, is in ministry and, in seminary school. My background is in accounting and public administration. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from one another and, I can, once I'm in my field and when I'm in my field and I'm doing my field and I'm working, I can kind of bring in elements from other things and you're a business owner, you're a small business owner. So there are elements of things that I can pull from you to make myself better and uh, and ultimately make my career move better, make my small business better, make any type of other ventures that I'm doing better, but it's just by opening up to you. And, and being open to hearing what you have to say, and that comes from me not judging you by what I perceive you to be. Um, and it's, it's, and I think we have to do that even in terms of organizations or with movements. I know one of the things that has been really uh, talked about in the past few weeks was Al Sharpton, and it's really nothing new with Al Sharpton. A lot of people go in on Al Sharpton about being the guy that shows up, you know, when the camera clicks on. Um, and while I was in college, I kind of had the same idea. I, I, had, I was not even well-versed in Al Sharpton's career and the things that he's actually done, and I didn't really know. I just knew of what I perceived him to be from my first interaction uh, during the Gen 6 rally that was in, like, 2007. Um, and I, we went on that. I went on that with a group of students from my university, and that was my first thought of him. But when I started to dig in to see what things he does on the back end, to see how he is able to raise a, a great deal of money from supporters, how he really is able to shed light on 
on topics, on issues, particularly that are dealing with minorities, particularly that are dealing with uh, minorities that are impoverished, I started to realize, wait a minute, hold on. If I just judge him by what everyone else says or every what I see like in the media, then I'm missing this very complex person that has been able to do some great things for our community, for the black community, as well as for society as a whole. Um, and I think, you know, we, if we do things like that, we ultimately, we hurt ourselves, but we hurt the bigger picture. We hurt the movement. Um, and, and it's just one more reason that we can't and we should not judge books by their cover. Because, you know, you'll see a book that looks very, very ragged, raggedy, but it's a lot of great information in there that you need. Mhm. Yeah, and I think I I one of the things that I think that this being uh I was in seminary at a predominantly white institution for 2 years in the middle of central Virginia in a town called Lynchburg. Let that marinate. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you first told me that. I was like, "Wait, they got a school there? You going? <laughs> you sure?" <laughs> and um Everybody there, pretty much in my classes, my professors, were Caucasian. And it was really, I went to school with Caucasians before, but I've never been in a situation where I didn't know anybody, so I was forced to be with them all the time. And so it made me have to forge relationships with them that were uncomfortable to me. Because I mm-hmm. always have, but I wouldn't dig, dig that deep with them. Mm-hmm. That the races, so it was a heavy Asian population, heavy um, Caucasian population. So I had to basically form tight relationships with with uh, Koreans, with um, Caucasians, and it was completely out of my comfort zone. But once we we dug deeper, we ate together, we hung out. I realized, man, some of the stereotypes I had towards them, and some of the stereotypes they had towards me, was like you know, they fell down. Like, you know, I'm not a weave wearer. I've never really worn weave. So one of my white friends was like, so you, you don't wear weave? And it wasn't it wasn't a thing where they were trying to be malicious because we're really good friends, but it's kind of like they're asking questions about their, their presuppositions about black people. <laughs> so, right. You know, so you have to be open, and that's the kind of dialogue I think that country's trying to create so we can kind of get over this hump of these prejudice, prejudices that we have um, by communicating with each other. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you say and making that, we talk, thinking about the, the racial conversation, which is very, uh, it's a very hard conversation to have. Don Lemon actually did a special on CNN uh, after one of the nights of the protest in Ferguson, and he had, um, like, a forum. Um, it was a big audience forum, and they he asked questions about when is it right for black and black people and white people to dress race, and when is it white, when is it right for white people to address race, and in what manner should they address race? And it's so sad because uh, three of the respondents Two of the three respondents that uh, that people that responded to the question were against white people talking about race at all. They were against them saying 
mentioning any type of stereotypes or any type of preconceived notions or any type of ideas about black people. And the reverse side of that was that the white people were saying, hey, you know, it's so taboo. You don't want me to talk about it, but you want me to fix it. You don't want me to judge the book by its cover, but you you also won't allow me to read the book. You won't allow me to flip the cover over and read the pages of the book. So I can't understand those layers. So I have to judge a book by its cover. And then you won't allow me to talk about that book. So whenever it's asked, I just or I just have to walk around and operate as if, you know, it doesn't change. So it's 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 really interesting because I think when we think about judging books by its cover, it goes so deep into different areas. Uh, we look at problems and and, and racial uh, divides and class divides and things like that. We started to really see that you know this is a bigger issue, and us doing this as a society and this being the standard kind of limits us from true progression. Yeah, it does, and I I think I I was so happy that I got over that hump um, racially because I found one of my dearest friends um, that's Caucasian and like we have a lot in common and we share a lot of differences but it's really challenged me and made me a better person so I'm excited about it excited about you know building more relationships right right and uh, too one of the things that I've learned I joined a business fraternity a, uh, it was a multiracial multicultural business fraternity group um, that I joined in college, and I met some incredible people, uh, made some incredible relationships, and actually learned a lot. I remember it's funny. There was um, one of the brothers. She's a female. It's a co-ed business fraternity. Um, one of the brothers, her and I had this long conversation after a meeting, and my perception of her was that she – just had her life together. She always had her life together. She always, you know, she was given like a silver spoon and everything was just perfect. And we started having a conversation and we dived into like details of her life and, and, and her parents and, you know, her upbringing. I realized, wait a minute, we kind of had a similar upbringing. Yours was just in suburbia and mine was in the hood. But in essence, you know, some of the, the issues that she had to face between her parents I had to face between my parents. Some of the struggles that she had, you know, trying to get out of this mindset and the situation were some of the same same things that I had. So, you know, it was it, it's it's really interesting. I think again, when we don't judge books by covers, when we flip over and we start to read the first page and read the first chapter and read the second chapter and start to dive into it, we start to learn things about ourselves and start to learn things about people that actually allow us to progress even more as a unit. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And it's time for us to move into our... Random topic. So today's random topic is pretty, pretty funny to me because I love Tracy Ellis Ross. She is hilarious. And um, lately she's been doing these videos on Instagram and she has a, also has a YouTube page where she is basically repeating the lyrics to songs she doesn't understand. Now, the one that I saw first was No Flex Zone, and she's also did Pass Me the Hookah. But when I tell you I've heard this song before and I don't understand it, um, 
you for me. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna repeat the lyrics as much as I can and the <laughs> okay. So it goes no flex zone. No flex zone. They know better. They know better. Then it's those one and gold medals and a gold bezel. I treat it treat it so special. Now you're whole jealous. <laughs> They tens are better. I'm a trendsetter. I'm a go-getter. Now, I don't, I just, the, even the verse is confusing. Charlie, Leche, it's been the same difference. H2O, Lean, same thing. Niggas, girl, sex, and gang bang. Free everybody in the chain game. Been two days since I laid down. Kumo, D5, chains on. Mr. T3, Brain Zone, say my effing name. Yeah, them diamonds so cool. Yeah, that old school mind food. Never heard about you. All y'all, so they so rude. See, I just, it does, I'm just like, I think the people are, <laughs> so, I just, it makes sense. <laughs> Said it kills brain cells. I just don't understand. And and Tracy Ellis Ross is doing a phenomenal job bringing this to the forefront because nobody knows what these people are saying. I think um, it, it's so funny because a lot of a lot of newer age mainstream hip hop. I a lot of people say that they listen to beats. I'm a lyric person. I love the lyrics. So when I start listening to the lyrics and I'm realizing that they're not talking about anything substantial, I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. You know, I'll catch the I catch the hook and bounce to the hook if I go out or whatnot and be able to sing the hook. But other than that, I'm not diving into it. But when I saw that No Flex Zone Instagram video, I probably laughed for a good 15 minutes. And I, I mean, it's so funny because she was saying, like, she starts talking about she's doing her hand, and this is like, no, this is how I, I know what I'm talking about, right? Because I'm doing this. And the the la- latest video, when she calls herself, I think, was it like uh, T-Trigger or something like that? She uses, like, her new name. Um, it's funny because she says in the video, like, as she's sitting there, her facial expression is so distressed. She really looks like, I don't know what's really going on. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm really trying to make this thing out. Uh, but yeah, this this thing is funny. T murder, that's what she calls herself, T murder. But it is hilarious, really, really hilarious. And we'll post that clip on our um, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook page so you can laugh with us. Um, but we thank you for tuning in to another episode of Brunch Culture. Remember to check us out on social media on Facebook.com/slash Brunch Culture, on Twitter/slash Brunch Culture, and on Instagram at Brunch underscore Culture. And remember, you can check us out on all and catch up catch up on all of our past episodes on brunchculturebc.com and remember at brunch culture everything, everything is up for discussion <laughs>